0: The GX on Agriculture podcast is brought to you by Future Ford in Melville. When you're in the market for a new Ford, stop by Future Ford for a great selection of new and used vehicles. Ask
1: Ag Today with Rod McDonald. Hey, good afternoon, everyone. It's 12-17, uh, 17 after 1 in Manitoba. Thanks for joining me on the program today. My final kick at the can this week, at least. I've got four days left, and then Doug Falconer will return from vacation next week. Busy program again coming up today. I spoke with Warren Ward. Uh, Warren... In Springside, he's uh, with the Canola Council of Canada, an agronomy specialist with the Canola Council of Canada, and we talked about a few things here this morning. First of all, there's a 4-R Field Day coming up at the Indian Head Agricultural Research Foundation plots uh, a week from today. We'll get the details on that. Of course, we also had to chat about uh, canola crops in the region, how close we're getting to harvest, still a little ways away, but... uh, Things are progressing quite nicely, so we'll hear from Warren Ward on the program today. Also, coming up, John Gavlosky. He's Manitoba's chief entomologist. I spoke with John at the end of last week. Uh, different bugs bugging Manitoba farmers nowadays, so we touched on that. Also, Mark Ferguson, general manager of the Saskatchewan Pork Development Board, will be along talking about the plight. Of uh, Saskatchewan hog farmers as they struggle with the uh, well, prices have been fairly strong, so I can't say that hog prices have been really poor, but uh, record high feed grain prices have certainly cut into producer profitability and that's causing all sorts of concern. They're looking for help from uh, governments, and we'll find out exactly what it is they're looking for. Those stories and a whole lot more coming up today on GX on Agriculture. First, let's get it rolling with today's Precision Weather Forecast. The Agriculture Weather Outlook. It's a presentation of Milligan Bio. Milligan Bio now offers bio meal for your livestock, giving your animals more protein, more energy, and more of what they need. And Sean Prihika, your Remax Blue Chip Egg Division Specialist. Agriculture Outlook with Precision Weather. It's time now for Precision Weather with meteorologist Phil Spivak. Finally got some much-needed rainfall throughout the area, and it looks like the smoke has cleared out for now. Anyway, Phil, how are things shaping up for this week?
2: Yeah, not too bad. Uh, For for most areas, uh, we're back into sunshine. Still looking at uh, some haze and smoke around for areas mainly to our west. Uh, Not too concerned because of the wind shift. Uh, The north to northwest wind bringing in some clearer air. So for areas in New York and east especially, not much of an issue with smoke. It's those areas of the west heading farther south, too, a little bit uh, hanging right along the border. Uh, through the day, though, 21 degrees to high, mostly sunny sky. Uh, we're pretty close to that coming out of the morning. Not a whole lot more warming to get through during the day, uh, but the air is still fairly dry, and it'll actually dry out a bit more uh, through the afternoon. Dew point in the upper single numbers this afternoon, but it will fall off enough tonight to give us room to fall to 7 with a partly cloudy to mainly clear sky. The wind uh, drops off as well. It peaks this afternoon, 15 to 30. Could even be some gusts uh, right in the uh, latest afternoon hours, 4, 5 o'clock, getting up to 35, 40. But then it drops off tonight, 10 to 20 from the north to northeast, low 7. Tomorrow mostly sunny sky and 19 the high. It is a dry air mass. It's just not that warm of an air mass by normal standards. Normal high at the time of year 24. It actually peaked. Uh, we've hit our seasonable warmest, and we're now uh, in the the down stretch. Doesn't mean summer's over. It just means we. Uh, statistically, climatologically peaked. 19 degrees to high tomorrow with the sunshine, some cloud cover rolls in tomorrow night down to 8, and spotty showers on Thursday. That cloudiness will hold us down a little bit more. We'll struggle to get out of the uh, mid-teens, around 16 on Thursday. The warm air hanging just to the south, it may actually uh, be a sharp contrast from areas uh, south of the Canada to us, but either way still below normal, even in the uh, warmer spots. The rain is most persistent through the afternoon, it could be briefly heavy, and then it eases up partly sunny on Friday, uh, we'll throw in the chance for a couple of spotty showers The high around 19. And into the day on Saturday, a mix of cloud and sunshine, 22. Watch for some extra cloudiness at night and potentially some more rain showers leading into Sunday.
1: All right, thank you, Phil. Now turning to this hour's temperature roundup, 15 degrees in La Paz, 19 for Wynyard, Wadena, Kelvington, along with Saskatoon, 18 this hour in Hudson Bay. Twenty degrees for Swan River, Shoal Lake Russell, Roblin, twenty one in Broadview, Musiman, Indian Head, and Dauphin. Regina, Brandon, 23 degrees, Saskatoon, 19, along with Winyard, Wadena, and Kelvington. In the Yorkton-Melville region, it's mainly sunny. The wind is north-northwest at 20, relative humidity 44%. Our temperature holding steady over the past hour at 20 degrees. Yesterday's high and low, 25 and 12, normals for this date. Daytime highs around 24, with overnight lows near 10. 4.2 millimeters of rain recorded uh, up until, or for the 24-hour period, rather, up until midnight last night. You know, we did receive rain overnight, certainly down at uh, Round Lake where we're spending the summer. We got quite a bit of rain overnight, rained throughout most of the night, ending around 4 o'clock this morning. Sunrise this morning was at 525. The sun will set again tonight at uh, about 25 after 8. The warmest place in the province yesterday, Leader, hit 30. The Saskatchewan cool spot, Coronac, 6. Across the border in Manitoba, Morden and Cypress River, the best at 28. And Thompson was the Manitoba cool spot at 6 degrees. Once again, current conditions, it's mainly sunny. The wind north-northwest at 20, relative humidity 44 percent, and our temperature is 20 degrees. It's coming up on 25 after 12, after 1 in Manitoba. A quick break, and we're right back on GX on Agriculture. And SaskAg Today, right after this. Welcome back to SaskAg Today. I'm Rod McDonald, filling in for the vacationing Doug Falconer. Ag Review is coming up next. Manitoba Agriculture reports an earlier start to this year's planting season. Commodity market prices and crop rotations have prompted several shifts in this spring's planting choices. Manitoba Agricultural Services Corporation released its seeded acreage numbers recently. Dennis Lang, a Paulson Soybean Specialist with Manitoba Agriculture, told us about it.
3: Uh, some of the changes that we saw this year is we saw our spring wheat acres uh, increase from the previous year. Um, we're sitting uh, just over 2.7 million acres. Um, the canola crop, uh, where the Argentine canola crop is uh, down a bit from the previous year. We're about 2.9 million acres. Of canola in Manitoba. And that kind of makes sense based on the fact that the previous year we saw a lot more canola going in because of the growers switching over because of the wetter spring and, and planting more canola that year. Uh, soybean numbers, uh, probably the other big number that was up. Um, we had uh, just, just under 900,000 in 2022. Age. The 2022 acres and for the 2023 acres we're looking at about 1.5 million acres uh these are still not estimated numbers yet but uh, we should be seeing some more final numbers come forward but generally just a bit of a, a bit of a switch um the one that surprised me i guess a little bit in this mix was the dry bean acres um, we were at about 138,000 acres in 2023 uh that's from the 115 uh, that we saw the uh, year before, so 115,000 acres. That one was a little bit harder to get a handle on just because the previous year, we saw a lot of growers kind of step away from dry beans just because of the later season. And, you know, market prices were a little bit, you know, uh, not, not as strong as what they have been in some years. And so I wasn't sure where those numbers were gonna end up, but that's, uh, that 138 is typically where we would see dry bean acres. So
1: Lang points to several reasons for the shifts in planting choices.
3: For example, for soybeans, I think we just uh, prices were still fairly strong on the soybeans, and because the year before we we saw that drop, and that was just mainly due to um, growers um, not feeling comfortable planting longer season crops and switching to something like canola. Um, we had spring wheat; um, that one there again, you know, we saw a bit of a drop from the year before, or we saw lower numbers in the year before, and just an increase just because growers are switching out of oats. Oats was one crop that we did see a drop in acres. In 2022, we had uh, 662,000 acres, and in 2023, we had about 282,000. So, and that is a lot of that's market price driven. So growers kind of switch there. So, I think it's just a just a reshifting of acres around a little bit based on where markets where markets are and rotations are. So, um, it's just uh, you always see a little bit of that shift from when you're to next, especially when you have a year where you have uh, a year like 2022, which was a, a bit of a later start, and growers had to switch out of the, or chose to switch out of some of the longer season crops uh, into some earlier season crops. So,
1: Lang says Manitoba farmers are busy either starting with harvest or preparing for harvest.
3: Well, I guess the biggest thing, uh, we're going to be seeing a lot more uh, of the fall rye which wheat being harvested. Uh, we might start to see some, uh, towards the end of the week, we might just start, start to see uh, maybe a little bit of spring wheat harvest, in regions where um, you know things were just a little too dry and the crop prematurely uh, prematurely finished off, but uh, the general spring wheat harvest won't start for for a couple weeks yet. So, um, and then over the next little bit, is it's very critical now, especially for crops like soybeans, uh, to get moisture during this stage. Right now, we're at that R5 growth stage, um, and it's really good to get moisture at that stage. That will help with the yield. Uh, this is what we'll just say makes or breaks with soybean yields. Are are going to be this year. So, uh, in the next uh, week or so if we get some good rains or if uh, growers have had some rains in the last week or so, that will really help uh, with the yields in the end. But uh, we're still a ways away from uh, any yield projections yet.
1: Dennis Lang is a pulse and soybean specialist with Manitoba Agriculture. Well, it's coming up on 12:30 now, 1:30 in Manitoba, and it's time for Ag Review. Ag Review is a presentation today of new era ag technologies in Swan River.
0: Future Ford has been serving the Melville area for over
1: 30 years. They focus on the future. Their staff are ready for what's to come. Ford Tech is changing all the time with new vehicle technology like EV, self driving, and more. Get ready to drive into the future. Why? Because the future is Future Ford. EX94, AgriView. Certainly a strong close to the 2022-2023 crop year by both CN and CP Rail. The Ag Transport Coalition reports the two major railways supplied a combined 98% of hopper cars ordered in Green Week 52, up from 96% in Green Week 51. CN supplied 98% of hopper cars ordered, matching Its performance seen in Week 51, CP fulfilled 99% of hopper car orders for Green Week 52, an improvement from the 94% order fulfillment performance seen the prior week. USDA reports the spring wheat harvest in the U.S. is now 11% complete. That's 3% behind the five-year average of 14%. South Dakota leads the way at 38% harvested, while North Dakota is at just 2%. USDA says 41% of the spring wheat crop is rated good to excellent. The winter wheat harvest is now 87% complete in the U.S. That's right in line with the five-year average for this time of year. Meantime, USDA says widespread rains this past weekend and a break from the extreme heat helped corn and soybean conditions rebound Corn was rated 57% good to excellent as of Sunday, up 2% from last week. Soybeans were rated 54% good to excellent, also up 2% from last week. The federal and Alberta governments have announced an extension to the enrollment deadline for the 2023 AgriStability Program. The original deadline was April 30th, but now it's been extended to September 29th. Alberta Agriculture Minister R.J. Sigurdsson says the Alberta government has listened to farmers and ranchers who've been impacted by wildfires and drought. He says allowing late participation in agri-stability will enable them to reassess their business risks and make an informed decision about signing up to protect their operations and livelihoods. Agri stability compensates margin declines greater than 30% at $0.80 for every dollar of decline. The government says payments to producers who sign up through late participation will be reduced by 20% to encourage proactive enrollment. U.S. farmers are raising the fewest beef cows since at least 1971. The numbers are down 2.6% from a year ago and rising feed costs are one of the main reasons. Brad Rippy is a meteorologist with the U.S. Department of Agriculture.
3: Taking a look at some of the livestock numbers for the month of July, first of all, hay production area in drought, 30% on August 1st, down slightly from 32% at the beginning of the month. And then the U.S. cattle inventory in drought, the current number, August 1st, 37% of the U.S. cattle inventory in drought, down 41% from June 27th.
1: Tight cattle supplies mean higher prices being paid by packers and one analyst is predicting a bloodbath for packer margins over the next two to three years. Graham Finn is one of several Australians who've established successful cattle operations in Alberta. Finn arrived from down under 29 years ago after spending several years managing cattle on large Australian ranches. At the time, land in Alberta was more affordable than in Australia.
4: Be able to buy land cheaper here, which we did, but it was a tough grind at the very beginning, so it was you couldn 't really do that today with land prices in this area, could you no, not in this area, not in anywhere in the prairies now, like our first First chunk of land was $1,700 an acre. Our last chunk of land was $4,200 an acre. Mm-hmm. And that's for grass, yeah. it's not for cropland.
5: Is it to the point where a younger person, unless they have a family connection, yeah. can get into the business at all? That doesn't have a family connection? Yeah, that yeah,
4: I feel sorry for those guys. Yeah. Like, we need a matchmaking service here in yeah. the prairies. We need, because there's a lot of old farmers whose yep. kids aren't interested. And there's young guys who are, and girls of families who have done the universities and have ideas, but they don't have the deep pockets to go yeah. do this. And, and they'll be in debt in their next generation. But if we can have a cooperative, even if the farmer with his family mm-hmm. and the new family come in, if his kids say, okay, let's set up a cooperative or, mm-hmm. or a, mm-hmm. a company, a pastoral company, yep. And these new people are partners in the business. That's the only way I can see it. But we need more of that, too. We need outside-the-box thinkers. Without any new ideas, Finn wonders who will own agricultural land in the coming decades. Who is going to be in the business? Is it going to be pension funds? Is it going to be China? Is it going to be some foreign entity? And then once they're in, we're done. We'll never get that back again. So we need to have succession planning, but family farms are still there and they're still doing it, but then the family who doesn't have the next generation want to be on the farm, instead of just selling it to the highest bidder, think about the future and bring some young couples in that that do want to. They've got the heart for it and the soul, but they don't have the pockets for it. We
1: spoke to Finn last month during a tour at the International Federation of Agricultural Journalists' Congress held in Olds, Alberta. And who wouldn't want to be less gassy? A dairy farmer in Ontario is leading the charge to breed dairy cattle that produce less methane when they belch. Ben Loweth started artificially inseminating 107 cows and heifers in June with the first to market bull semen with a low methane genetic trait. Livestock account for 14.5% of the world's greenhouse gas emissions. Methane is the second biggest greenhouse gas after carbon dioxide. Semex, the genetics company that sold Loeth the semen, said adoption of the low methane trait could reduce methane emissions from Canada's dairy herd by 1.5% annually and up to 20 to 30% by 2050. And that is today's egg review. It's 1237 now, 137 in Manitoba. We'll check on today's closing livestock futures coming up next. A- livestock market conditions. Now here are today's closing U.S. livestock futures. October live cattle 180.90 a hundredweight down 52 cents at the close today. December live cattle closed at 185.20 down 57 cents. September feeder cattle 249.42 down a dollar 45. October 251.22 down a buck 67. October Lean Hogs 8457 down 25 cents. And December Lean Hogs closed today at 7712 a hundred weight up ten cents. And those are today's closing U.S. livestock futures. We'll check on the closing grain prices coming up in about ten minutes from now at 10 to 1, 10 to 2 in Manitoba. Mainly sunny today throughout the listening area. Maybe a bit of smoke and haze, but uh, certainly not as heavy right now as we've seen over the past few days. High today up around 21 degrees, and we're pretty close to that right now, 20 degrees at last check. We'll, of course, have all the weather details coming up at the top of the hour. The Saskatchewan Pork Development Board is calling on government to help out for feed grain users with any support programs that are being developed Although hog prices have been strong, record high feed prices have squeezed producer profitability. Mark Ferguson is the general manager of the Saskatchewan Pork Development Board. He says many of the province's farmers are looking at their third year in a row with disappointing crops.
0: Since the summer of uh, 2021, when this current drought first began, our feed costs have increased by approximately 40 percent. So over the past two crop years, many of our farms basically haven't had a decent crop and our our farms have been buying feed ingredients at record-breaking prices. So Saskatchewan uh, is typically on an export basis, meaning we, we have more feed grains produced than we usually use. And so uh, what we've had to do is resort to importing grain, primarily corn, which puts us at an extreme disadvantage in terms of our competitiveness. So. Earlier this year we were looking optimistically at the fall and the, the good crops that it looked were coming and producers were counting down the days till new crop availability and even even a month ago the situation looked a lot better than it does today with crops going backwards in this heat and no widespread rain in sight. So the situation right now it looks like we're headed towards the third year in a row of, of record feed grain prices. Uh, for many of our mixed operations and we have a lot of them in the southwest and west central regions, this is going to be the third year in a row for many farms without a, without a crop and significantly reduced yields. So we're going to be re- relying on, uh, high priced outside feed and hog prices can't support feed prices at the levels they appear to be headed at into the fall. So, uh, bottom line, we're looking at a, a tough fall and winter unless something changes in the markets.
1: We asked Ferguson what producers need to weather the storm.
0: Well, Minister Merritt has initiated discussions with the federal government on ag recovery programs, and I think this is an excellent first step. However, it's important that any programs that are are being developed right now include support for feed grain users uh, so that they can make it through these difficult times. Hog farms in Western Canada are making decisions today on on the future and whether whether they think they can make it through a, a third year of these high prices. So, you know, the sooner any support from the federal and provincial governments can be can be announced, I would say the better.
1: And finally, we asked Ferguson about the consequences if governments fail to act.
0: Well, we've already had some some depopulations announced, uh, you know, in Western Canada as a result of the tight margins, um, and I and I expect we'll see a few more of these if uh, if there's no uh, you know support for producers that's that's announced in the near future. So, you know, in terms of consumers, um, we're, we're not the only region facing uh, issues with margins. By next year. Uh, I think in response to this, supplies of hogs and pork are certainly going to be lower in Canada than they are today, and probably North America as a whole. And ultimately, you can't produce hogs or any product at a loss. So at some point, uh, there will be a correction where the the prices of hogs and pork will absolutely need to increase. If we're in a in a new level for feed prices, that's not uh, not going to change. Um, hog prices and pork prices will will have to increase to cover those costs ultimately.
1: Mark Ferguson is general manager of the Saskatchewan Pork Development Board. It's 1244-144 in Manitoba. You're listening to GX on Agriculture. So what was bugging Manitoba farmers this past week? We put that question to entomologist Dr. John Gavlosky.
6: One of the the biggies right now is aphids, and um, mainly in cereal crops. I mean, there's been some... uh, aphids and peas and things earlier that uh, some people had to deal with. But in the cereals, we have a whole different group of aphids than we see in peas and soybeans and different crops. The ones that we see in cereals, they don't overwinter here, they blow in. And they've arrived somewhat late. Now, er earlier in July, um, we were starting to find them, but not at big numbers. About mid-July, we really started to see the numbers build. And by late July, uh, there got to be some very high numbers in some fields. Now on the positive side, some of the cereal crops were already into the dough stages, uh, the soft dough stage where things get very doughy inside. So in those fields, really the yield has been set and the aphids aren't going to reduce it once that yield has been set. So soft dough stage and beyond, we don't really worry about the aphids. They're not really economical. Problem is when the crop is not yet at soft dough, if you're still in the milky stages or you can really easily squish out the liquid from the grains, uh, you're still forming yield. And the aphids are competing for the phloem sap. And if there's enough of them, that could be an issue. So we have had some people needing to control aphids. Um, now on the positive side, there's also a lot of lady beetle, um, especially the larvae. We're seeing the, the little a blackish alligator shaped larvae of the lady beetles, we're seeing a lot of in some of the fields. And there's also some parasitism. We've been seeing some aphid corpses where um, it looks like an inflated aphid that's gone a kind of a bronzy color. When you see them like that, they've been parasitized by a wasp and uh, they are usually no longer an alive aphid. So we've been seeing some of that.
1: Another problem bug has been flea beetles in canola.
6: We know them as a problem with the seedling crop. We do get the adults twice, though. There's one full cycle per year. The overwinter is adults. But we get the adults early in the season and late in the season. And we're seeing these late-season adults. They will move into canola. Very rarely are they an economic problem late in the season, but there can be exceptions to that. So I know people are just keeping an eye on uh, those numbers. And grasshoppers, there's still some high levels, but it's patchy. Some areas, they're not that bad. Other areas, they're quite numerous. So they're another one that people are keeping an eye on. The other problems are all more either um, further south or further east in the province. Um, Some armyworm have shown up, mainly in that Cypress River balder area there's a few fields there that had some higher levels nothing up in the northwest yet as far as high levels of bertha armyworm larva and further east there's also been a little bit of control for diamondback moth and ligus bugs in canola but haven't heard of any significant problems in the northwest.
1: My guest is entomologist Dr. John Gavlosky. I know you've been conducting a grasshopper survey in Manitoba John How's that been going?
6: We are doing a grasshopper survey. And what we do is estimate numbers that we see, usually along field edges. So we're usually in the ditch area, just outside the field. And we're trying to estimate what levels are like. Uh, We have Manitoba agriculture staff who are involved in this. But farmers and agronomists who are out scouting fields and would like to be involved in the survey certainly can. In our most recent Uh, Manitoba crop test update, we provided a link to the protocol um, or people could just contact myself. I could give them the details. Um, If you're out scouting and you would like to provide an estimate from some of the ditches in your area, that would be really helpful.
1: The grasshopper numbers in the survey may or may not be an indication of what sort of grasshopper numbers we'll see next year.
6: It can and now there's a lot of ifs and buts involved, though. That's the tricky part. A lot depends on weather. So what we're looking at right now is the egg-laying population of grasshoppers that's out there. Weather will influence that. If we have a very long season, if the first frost occur quite late, and the grasshoppers hang around a long time, our pest species will lay their maximum number of eggs. And what? We've got lots of different types of grasshoppers. There's 85 different types in Manitoba. There's four we call pests. One of the things that makes the pest species pest species is, given the proper weather conditions, they can lay a lot of eggs. But um, and, and again, that's determined by the length of the season. Um, if we get a lot of hot, dry days in August, that is good for the grasshoppers. Cooler days, rainy days, they're less active, laying less eggs. So weather factors in both in the spring and in the fall. And also, uh, this year, the grasshopper population had developed very quickly. So this year, they may have started laying eggs a bit sooner than in some years as well.
1: Dr. John Gavlosky is Manitoba Agriculture's Chief Entomologist. It's 10 to 1, now 10 to 2 in Manitoba. Commodities Update. Here are today's closing grain prices. November canola 790.90 a metric ton down 660 today. January canola closed at $795 down 490. September, Minneapolis wheat, 8.30 and three quarters of a bushel, up six and a half cents. September, Kansas City wheat, closed today at 7.70 and a half, up three quarters of a cent. September, Chicago wheat, 6.56 and a quarter, down one and a quarter cents. September, corn, 4.85 and three quarters, up three and a half. September soybeans close today at thirteen fifty three and a half up five and a quarter cents. And September oats for ten and three quarters up three and a half cents at the close today. Or and finally today on Sask Ag Today, the Canola Council of Canada is hosting a 4-R Field Day. It's coming up next Monday at the Indian Head Agricultural Research Foundation, PLOTS. Canola Council agronomy specialist Warren Ward told me about it. So maybe
5: I'll back up a step and just go over the what 4-R is for everybody. And just a quick recap, that's the right source of fertilizer at the right rate. At the right time and in the right place. So what we've done is uh, is put some plots together out there that just show some some different practices there, some uh, things from the not so good end of the spectrum to things that uh, that do follow 4 hour practices. And and we'll be discussing how to how to put a 4 hour plan in place and, and make that uh, uh, make that practice work for you and and talk about the the reasons why. One other thing we, we're, we're promoting with this is our Canola for Our Advantage program, which is the, the uh, funds that we're, um, uh, that we're distributing through the On Farm Climate Action Fund. And so, really, it's a, another opportunity to come out and, and also learn about that program and ask some questions and, and see, uh, see some of the, uh, the management practices that are included in that program in the field.
1: Again, that four-hour field day is coming up a week from today at the Indian Head Agricultural Research Foundation plots.
5: should kick off at around 10 in the morning. Ward says they'll wrap up by about noon. We do have a registration link, so if you go to the Canola Council of Canada website, you can find the registration link there, and we'll have uh, the uh, the details on, uh, on where to, to meet for that tour. Ward says a lot of farmers are already
1: utilizing four r practices on their farm but may not have a formal
5: management plan. We just would like to see um that management plan included because you know sitting down having that conversation with uh, with a designated agronomist might uh, might make you think a little bit or they might be able to point out a few little tweaks to to your management program that that would help and the thing i like about four r is it's not a one size fits all Uh, practice it's uh, what works well within these guidelines on your farm and if you have to cheat a little bit on one uh, let's say for instance let's say you have to cheat a little bit on the placement how can you make up for that with something like the source of product that you're using
1: harvest on the prairies is starting to ramp up although canola still has a ways to go
5: we've uh, pretty much finished flowering here i think there's the odd uh, later field that has a few flowers hanging on yet but uh, i don't think um there's there's too many of those left and overall i mean it's surprising how well it's hanging on given the you know generally speaking lack of rain that we've had there's been a few areas that that maybe were a little bit more fortunate but um you know so it it's hanging in there uh, i think uh harvest is fast approaching here so uh people will likely be into some other crops before they get to the canola but uh uh, you know, I think it's going to happen fairly quickly by by the looks of things, the way the the crop is maturing here. And you know, I, the we had such a great start to the to the year, and and uh, maybe just with lack of rain for most areas, I think has has uh, impacted it somewhat. But we won't know the extent of that until the combines are actually in the field. And you know, I think we did have some some fortunate uh, that cooler weather we had uh, through you know most of flowering, I think probably saved a little bit of yield potential and and uh, maybe if we get a a late rain here to help things finish filling that might also uh, benefit the crop. On the insect front now Ward says growers should still be scouting for insects. There are a few that uh, they can still cause damage. Um, I know grasshoppers are one that have been on most people's minds all summer for uh, for you know quite a few areas and uh, that's one that can uh, you know anything that starts chewing on those pods especially once the leaves start to drop from the plants can cause uh, can cause yield loss birth army worms would be another one although uh, reports and that seem to be relatively low from from what i've been hearing and uh, diamondback moss would also be another one that uh, that can show up this time of year so so there's still a few out there uh, to to be monitoring for and uh, um, but hopefully, uh, hopefully the low insect pressure of this year continues.
1: Disease in canola crops doesn't seem to be a big issue this year, but Ward
5: says they're still monitoring the situation. We'll be doing some disease surveying here in the in, leading up to that swath timing, so I think that's yet to be determined. Generally, on a drier year, you would expect to see uh, see less sclerotinia, which tends to be the the most common disease. But uh, I'm sure there will be. We'll be looking for that uh, some of the other ones that we'll be looking for would be blackleg and um, that one can uh, can show up and in in, uh, in crops even when there has been a little less rain so because that infection happens earlier on in the season you know we'll be we'll be checking for the results of that one and a new one that's that's out there uh, or relatively new one verticillium stripe we'll also be looking for that and and that one tends to show up much later in the season in fact after the crop has been cut and harvested you can go back and look at at the stubble and and see whether there was any of that present so so it's a little early yet to say what uh, what the disease situation was like this year but uh you know hopefully hopefully that's uh, low as it looks like it will be
1: and when the combines start rolling through the canola fields we'll likely see even more growers straight cutting
5: Straight cutting sure has uh, has taken off in the last number of years, and uh, I I don't know what the exact percentage of acres for straight cut versus swath is these days, but uh, but definitely there's um, a lot uh, a lot of straight cutting happening. The dec- decision to to go one way or the other, uh, I know there's a few things that go into that. Um, number one would be the evenness of the crop. So, so the more even the crop, the more the more suitable it is for straight cutting. Is you got even maturing Plants out there and a and a you know a, a nice stand. Um, in terms of swathing, uh, we you know that can help if you do have some areas in the field that are are a little bit more variable. Um, but the other thing to keep in mind is, do you have enough stubble to anchor those swaths? And you know we've seen some of those fall winds that that can really blow swaths around. So you know there's a, a great debate over whether swath or straight cutting is better for some of those wind events and. And uh, you know, I guess that's maybe up to the comfort level of the of the operator or the the farmer to decide what works best within with on within their farm as well. Um, so yeah, it's a it's a either one still works fine. I guess one thing is uh, is timing of those operations though. So making sure that if you are swathing, you're not getting out there too early because we do know you can add a lot of yield just by waiting for that proper swath timing and and uh, straight cutting if you're planning on using a desiccant to, to make sure you're following the, the label time uh, uh, stage, crop staging for, for that application as well.
1: Canola Council of Canada, agronomy specialist Warren Ward. And that's our time for the program today. We'll close out Sask Ag today with our precision weather forecast for the entire listening area. Sunny this afternoon. Some smoke and haze at times, wind north-northwest 15 to 30, high 21. Partly cloudy tonight, wind north-northeast 10 to 20, overnight low 7. Mainly sunny tomorrow, clouding over in the evening though, with a 40% chance of showers toward morning. Daytime high tomorrow 19, overnight low tomorrow night 10. 70% 70% chance of showers on Thursday, high 16, and partly sunny Friday, 60% chance of scattered showers, high 19, and partly sunny as we head into the weekend on Saturday, daytime high near 22. On this hour's temperature roundup, 15 degrees in the Paw, 18 in Hudson Bay, 19 for Winyard, Wadena, Kelvington, and Saskatoon. 20 this hour in Shoal Lake, Russell, Roplin, and Swan River. At 21, Indian Head, Broadview, Mooseman, Regina, and Brandon, both 23 degrees. And in the York and Melville region, it's mainly sunny. The wind is north-northwest at 20. Relative humidity 44 percent. Our current temperature 20 degrees. That's our time for today for SaskAg Today. Back tomorrow afternoon at 12 15, 15 in Manitoba. I'm Rod McDonald. It's time now for GX94's news and sports headlines. CJGX Yorkton, a Harvard media radio station serving Saskatchewan and Manitoba. We are GX94.
0: The GX on Agriculture podcast has been brought to you by Future Ford in Melville. Future Ford is your automotive expert. From sales to service, they're the ones you can trust to get rolling again sooner.